0: Well, hey thank you pastor jared it is so good to be here talking to you guys this sunday uh, as pastor jared mentioned my name is nate and alongside my wife emily we are the online site pastors here so we would love to connect with you i know jared just said how important it is to get connected, especially if you're tuning in online. We want to know you, we want to hear from you, hear your story, Uh, and Emily and I personally would just love to connect and have a chat, grab a coffee if you're close enough, jump on Zoom, whatever that looks like, uh, and just get to know you a little bit better. So thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, And I'm excited for us to jump into the final message of our Good Life series. Uh, We're doing this on Thanksgiving Sunday, which is really exciting. Uh, And uh, I don't—I'm personally thankful for NFL football right now. Um, I actually like speaking of thankfulness. Like, I uh, just—I decided to get the zone last week. I was like, finally, I'm ready. We're about to get Thanksgiving. It just feels like football season. I got a little bit of time whenever I'm not at church on Sunday. I'm just like, I just want to be watching football. That's the only other thing I want to do. And I'm like, okay, this is great. I'm gonna get the zone. I'm gonna get like unlimited football that I can watch. We had a little bit of money saved in our budget. I was so excited. And then this week I found out our insurance went up. So you know what? I'm still thankful that we're insured. I'm still thankful that it's good. Uh, might not be able to keep the zone, which is a little bit sad. Gonna miss out on my football, uh, but I get I got this month. So if you wanna watch football with me this month, hit me up, uh, I'm gonna be watching the of it. It's gonna be great. Uh, but yeah, it's Thanksgiving Sunday. It's a really great time to connect with family, to dive deep, to build relationship. Uh, and I really hope that this message today can encourage us in our gratitude and our thankfulness. We've been working out of 1 Peter 2.12 uh, as kind of our core verse over the last uh, a few weeks of our Good Life series. In this verse it says, it says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. And what we've been talking about is this idea that we're in a world today where honestly a lot of the world sees Christians as, uh, as evil, as people who are doing wrong, as this passage says, as it was for the early church at the time this was written. And, and we're in this context where we used to be seen as like generally good, but lame, like the Ned Flanders is what we've been saying, Uh, yet now there's kind of this different perception that we might actually be evil or oppressive or some of the traditional views of Christians might be a problem for people in today's society. Uh, and, 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 And we're kind of exploring and working through how we navigate this as the church within that context. And to be honest with you guys, originally this series was supposed to end Last week. This week was just supposed to be like a general thanksgiving message talking about thankfulness, which is an important concept in scripture. But what was really cool is as we were studying in 1 Peter, we were looking through this letter that Peter wrote to the, some of the early churches uh, uh, outside of, of, uh, of Jerusalem and, and kind of the Israel and, and into like the Roman Empire. And Asia, as he was writing to these early churches, we're studying through this letter, and, and and I realized that there's actually a key like focus on gratitude and thankfulness that exists within here. Uh, so I just want to break down kind of how we're approaching this, what this context is going to look like in a second. But first, let's just start off with prayer, uh, inviting God in before I continue and go any further. God, I thank you for the opportunity to. Uh, honestly, just to be able to speak from your word and your truth, Lord God. I just pray right now that your spirit would just move in me, Lord God, and in everybody listening and watching this, Lord, that you would just actually uh, begin to convict and shape and change hearts, Lord God, that you would actually just draw us closer to you. You would give us an awareness of who you are, your love for us, uh, and just an overwhelming sense of gratitude and thankfulness that we can live out uh, because of that, Lord. Pray this in your name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, hey, we're continuing through 1 Peter right now. We've been kind of focused on this verse in 1 Peter uh, 2.12, kind of like midway through chapter two. And so last week we went through the rest of chapter two, where Peter's writing about uh, how we should respond to government authorities and evil in the world with a focus on the way of Jesus and the way of the cross, the way of sacrifice, service, and submission, what it looks like to actually respond to suffering well as Christians. You know, Pastor Brandon highlighted in last week's evening service, and I thought this was really important. He said that, he said that when it comes to the world looking at us, uh, they, they actually don't really care what we do on our best day. Everybody looks good on their best day when things are going right. But the world wants to see the test of our faith when things are going wrong, when we're facing evil, when we're facing suffering, when the world is crashing down around us, how do we respond, how do we engage, and where does our hope lie? That's what we talked about last week, and that's a lot of what Peter goes on to discuss in the rest of this letter. So there are three more chapters after chapter two, chapter three, four, and five. And each of these chapters, he kind of expands upon and builds upon this idea of suffering for the good news, suffering for Jesus, what this looks like for us, uh, and, and continues uh, breaking that down for the early church. And, and, and a couple of weeks ago, before this, uh, we went back to the beginning of chapter 2, kind of the end of chapter 1, where Peter is talking about what it means to actually live a holy life what it means to live a good life, what it actually looks like to live in a way that countercultural to the world around us. He says, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. What does it look like to stay away from the sinful things that tear our souls apart, that our world actually encourages and celebrates a lot of the time? What does it look like to stay away from those things and be a light and example to the world of healthy, rejuvenated souls based on uh, pursuing the good things that God has for us. And that was really good too. And that's kind of like the back half of chapter one, the first half of chapter two. Uh, but today, to finish off the series, I want to go back to the beginning. I want to finish it off by going back to the beginning, to the beginning of chapter one. And what's really cool is we go back to the beginning of chapter one. We get to expand on this crucial piece of context. We get to expand on, on actually this hope that Peter starts the letter off with. The first section in my Bible is praise to God for a living hope. And what we actually get to see is that the foundation of this good life, the foundation of living for Jesus, the foundation of actually being able to pursue righteousness and good things and avoiding sin and chasing down the things that are rejuvenating, not destroying our souls, Uh, of actually being able to live counter-culturally against the grain of the world that we find ourselves in, of actually being able to withstand suffering, to face evil head on, to live with service and sacrifice and submission as Jesus modeled for us. The basis and the foundation of this that Peter starts off with is a prayer praise for the living hope. It actually comes out of a place of gratitude, out of a place of thankfulness, out of a deep awareness of what God has done, his love, his grace, and his mercy for us. Let's read 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 to 12. It says, praise be to the to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Praise be to God, starting with praise and worship, thankfulness. In his mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And Jesus dying and rising again, he took on the sin and pain and shame and punishment, the consequences of our bad actions. And by rising again from the dead, he said he actually defeated death, defeated the hurt and shame that we should experience or could experience, and actually has given us a new hope for life into eternity with him. It says this, it says, uh, In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Concerning the salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. He's speaking here to the history and legacy of prophets in the Old Testament who actually saw ahead to what God would do, saw ahead to the hope that we would have in Jesus. And they didn't know what it was for. They didn't know if it was for their time, for for a shortly future time, for whatever time, but we know that it is actually for our time since Jesus has come that we get to experience this hope. It says, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told to you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. And just to really hammer the point home, I love this last line. He says, "'Even angels long to look into these things.'" the beauty and wonder and power of the good news of Jesus, of the life that we get to have in him, the eternity that we get to have with him. This is like something that even angels wish they could look into, uh, that we that has actually been revealed to us. This truth through the life of Jesus, the story of Jesus as we see it in scripture is so powerful. It's so beautiful. It is the kind of truth that we can root ourselves in and build our lives on. It's the kind of truth that will lead us through suffering with joy and peace because we know that we being brought closer to Christ, but how do we get this? Uh, how, how do we actually get to this place of, of as it says here, an inexpressible and glorious joy? What does that actually look like? Because I'll be honest with you, I don't always feel inexpressible and glorious joy. Like, I think I know in my head quite often, like, yeah, I've been saved by Jesus. Like, I've been learning this since Sunday school. I've been learning this since whenever. I'm aware of this. I have an understanding of it. But it's not like it's always leading me to inexpressible and glorious joy. I'm not just like the happiest person all the time. I get frustrated. I get mad. It's hard for me to face suffering. It's hard for me to face hurt. It's hard for me to face that, that, that broken uh, uh, situation with relationship. It's hard for me to see the evil of the world and, and actually handle it well. Like, how are we getting to this place of glorious and inexpressible joy? And this is where I really believe that a practice of gratitude comes in. There's a reason that Peter started his letter with praise. Because he is speaking out of a place of faith and cultivating a practice of gratitude, a practice of thankfulness that allows him to be fully rooted in the hope of Jesus. And in the same way, I think we need to build ourselves a practice of gratitude that firmly roots us in this hope. I kind of, As I was thinking through this, I was reminded of an idea from C.S. Lewis' book, The Screwtape Letters. And this is a whole book that is written from the perspective of a demon. So this is like a senior demon writing to like a junior demon. It'd be like the partner at the law firm, like writing to an associate, you kind of know what I'm saying. Uh, But it is the senior demon writing to this junior demon. So it's all like everything I'm going to say is like written from like the reverse perspective. Like it's all like uh, it's trying to have bad stuff happen. It's trying to corrupt and bring down and pull somebody away from Jesus. It's written in the negative, but it's this really powerful idea C.S. Lewis talks about in Screwtape Letters. He says, think, this is the older demon writing. He says, think of your man as a series of concentric circles, his will being the innermost, his intellect coming next, and finally his fantasy. You can hardly hope at once to exclude from all the circles everything that smells of the enemy. And when he says the enemy, he means God, who's not the enemy. He's our father. He's uh, loving, but they're calling him the enemy. Uh, You can't exclude God from all of these circles, but you must keep on shoving all the virtues, all the good things, the proper values, the healthy character traits outward till they are finally located in the circle of fantasy and all the desirable qualities inward into the will. And by desirable, he means bad qualities, evil, sinful qualities into the will. It is only in so far as they reach the will and are there embodied in habits... That the virtues are really fatal to us. Good character, good living, and understanding of the hope of Jesus, uh, gratitude and thankfulness are actually only valuable and detrimental to our enemy, the demonic, and are only valuable to us if they make it out, out of a place of fantasy, out of a place of intellect, and into our innermost will, into our habits. All sorts of virtues painted in in the fantasy, or approved by the intellect even, or in some measure, loved and admired, will not keep a man from our father's house. And by this, the demon means from the devil's house, from hell. Indeed, they may make him more amusing when he gets there. See, I love this idea of fantasy, intellect, will. These nested, concentric circles that represent our understanding and believing. I really believe that to root ourselves in the gospel, in the good news of Jesus, in a way that allows us to endure suffering, to find hope in the darkest spaces, to live a countercultural life that goes against the grain of our culture, we need to be firmly planted in the hope of Jesus. We need a practice of gratitude that gets the truth of Jesus out of our imagination and into our will. We need our, our, our actually place as children of God the Father, as little brothers and sisters to Jesus, as free people who are citizens of heaven, no longer citizens of the world, we need that to not just be something we know in our heads, not just something we've heard on Sundays, not just something we can conceptually imagine, but something that is deep within our hearts. We need to go from a place of fantasy to a place of identity. It needs to be who we are, intertwined in our actions and our thoughts, intertwined into our desires in our daily life. I think a good example of a fantasy that I've had recently is building a patio in my backyard. Um, I think just generally the whole concept of me being somebody who's handy and can like do cool house projects is kind of like been living in that fantasy circle for me. Um, I like, uh, I got a house like a year ago and we're coming into this summer at the beginning of the summer and I'm just like, oh yeah, like we're gonna do all this stuff. I had all these maps and plans for the backyard. I was fantasizing like crazy. I'm like, we're gonna build a fire pit patio out here. We're gonna get like a gas fire pit, like built into the ground. We're gonna do all this gardening and this like whole natural landscaping thing with local plants. I had all these ideas. We are gonna put like a, a projector and a screen out there so we could watch movies in the backyard. All this kind of stuff. I had all these big dreams, these big plans. And you know what? I even got it out of the place- Of fantasy to intellect. I started watching all these YouTube videos. I started like doing all this research. I like was watching my YouTubes. I'm seeing my handy dudes and I'm like, oh yeah, I totally got this. Like easy. I can build this patio, I can build this fire pit, I can do this gardening. Like I understand it, I know it. And then we got to the will. We got to the the actual the desire to implement it the ability to get it done, and I started working on it and realized that myself as a handy person is a fantasy. It's something I might be able to understand intellectually, but there is, like, no will in me to be a handy person. Like, I'm out here, like, trying to, like, level out these patio stones and, like, get them all, like, perfect or whatever, and I just want to start, like, bashing them against my head. Like, it just drives me insane. Working with my hands like that is not what I'm good at. I'm quite bad at it. It just frustrates me. It bores me, and it's just become, like... Like the backyard has just become kind of like this big pit of anxiety for me. Like I look out there and I just get like a little bit of shame and Emily looks over at me and she's like, remember when you said we'd have this patio by May and now she's changed her goal. She's like, babe, if we could at least get this done before it snows, I'd be really happy. Uh, And it's still not done. So we're working on it. Um, But... But, but I realized that like I didn't have it in my will to actually do that work around the house, to complete these projects. Um, but I've seen somebody who does. Uh, our friend Cody House, uh, he's one of the leaders of our Cambridge Locals Plus, And he is like, He is, like, handiness and working with his hands is part of his identity and his character. It's who he is. It's a way that he connects with God by actually doing uh, uh, real practical work. He's done all this amazing renovation work within their home and, like, done all this really cool stuff. You can just tell he loves it and has a passion for contributing to his family and building his home with his hands and with his work. You see it in his job. You see it in his problem solving. Uh, uh, It's just, like, part of his heart is to actually be handy, to work on these kinds of projects, to build things, and create, which I think is a godly thing. It's not something I have, but it's something he has in his will, so he loves the process in the day-to-day. But how do we do this? How do we actually not live in the fantasy of my now like torn up and like dirt piles everywhere backyard that we're like praying is going to get finished by the winter? How do we move out of fantasy and into a place of will when it comes to our gratitude, when it comes to our thankfulness? I believe there's three things that we can see about this uh, in 1 Peter as we continue to read. I think that we need to have uh, a, a practice of contemplation. I believe that we need to actually have obedience, and I, need we, I, need we, I believe we need to have reverence. I want to break these three things down, contemplation, obedience, and reverence. It says, therefore, in verse 13, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the of to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace. Set your hope on the good news of Jesus. Set your hope on who he is and his character. Set your hope. We need to actually focus our minds and focus our hope on the truth and goodness of who Jesus is. What does that actually practically look like? It looks like contemplation. It looks like taking time to actually slow down and think deeply, to be careful and consider this hope in awe and reverence. A little later on, Peter quotes from the book of Isaiah when it says, All flesh is grass and all its beauty is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fade when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. All flesh is grass. Uh, uh, Sorry, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. And what, what he's saying, what we're seeing this passage in Isaiah is that without God, we fade. We don't last. Flesh, humanity, this world that we have in front of us right now, it fades without God, without his word, without his creative power. See, God's Word is actually how He spoke all life into existence. We read in Genesis, He spoke and things were created. His Word is the only thing that lasts. We actually have His Word revealed to us through, G- through Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit inspiring the Scriptures, and through prayer as we lean into the Holy Spirit. So if we actually want to be, have a healthy practice of gratitude if we actually want to be able to root ourselves deeply in the hope of Jesus, we need to actually be willing to contemplate, to slow down, to consider the Word of God, the only thing that is a lasting and eternal. We need to actually take some time and read Scripture, read the Bible, And actually read it to understand, not just to read it to check a box. Like, go get yourself a study Bible. It's great. Go watch some Bible project videos. They're great. Go download the Bible app and do like a a pretty like, you know, a chunky Bible reading plan where they're going to have like some good commentary and, and support alongside that as well. But actually read the Bible and seek to understand it because it is the Word of God. It will last. And through that contemplation, we can develop a deeper gratitude and understanding of the hope of Jesus. But not just that, let's make sure that we are actually uh, uh, constantly keeping our minds alert and fully sober. Let's be alert and looking for opportunities for gratitude and thankfulness. Let's be thanking God when we see the sun rising and the beauty of it, when we see trees and grass and life, when we see uh, friends who love us, when we see somebody helping a stranger, when we spend time on Thanksgiving, eating with family and friends, when we show up to church and, and, and we actually get to just see like, some amazing people here and we're thankful for Pastor Brandon Emma and our lead pastors and, and we're thankful for what God is doing here at church and all these different things. Let's be alert and looking for opportunities to show gratitude to contemplate God's goodness, to really let it sink in. It's kind of like when I was studying in university, I was a pretty terrible student and I did economics and I remember none of it because my study sessions were like eight Red Bulls and an all-nighter just trying to cram everything in the day before the exam. Like You don't actually learn anything that way. You might know it, but you don't learn it. And in the same way, we need, to actually, uh, we need to actually learn on a deeper level the truth of God's goodness, not just cramming it into our brains, not just saying, I learned that once, I got it, but actually revitalizing ourselves and refreshing ourselves with His good news every single day. It goes on, and it says, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. See, it's not just enough to like have a mindset of gratitude, but we actually need to enact our gratitude. It actually needs to lead to obedience, to actually us doing our best to live it out in the world around us it's kind of like if I say, oh yeah, I'm like super thankful for my mom. Like I really love her. I have a lot of gratitude for my family. I love my mom. She's great, but I haven't called her in six months. That gratitude is worthless. I actually think that if our gratitude is an only an attitude, it's simply platitudes, which is super cheesy. And I probably shouldn't have said that, but uh, (laughs) uh, Tim told me to say that. Don't worry about it. But, uh, but seriously though, uh, I really believe that if, if our gratitude is something that, that we aren't enacting, if we're not living it out, if it's just like, oh yeah, I'm thankful, but we're not actually k- taking it past contemplation and into obedience. If we're not saying, yeah, I'm thankful for my church, so I'm gonna show up and I'm gonna serve. I'm online, I'm gonna help with online hosts. I, I, I'm, I'm in person, I'm gonna hold the door. I'm gonna help set up. I'm gonna do what I can to contribute to what God is doing. If we say that we're thankful, for everything that God has provided for us, for our home and and, and for our finances and our resources, but we're not taking people in when they need a place to be, when we're not feeding a family who's looking for support this Thanksgiving, when we're not giving back generously to our church and to the world around us, that gratitude is actually quite hollow. And here's the thing. We, we have to know that, that we can't just do it all in our own willpower. Obedience isn't the whole story. Uh, it, like the Bible is very clear that, that we can't just obey ourselves into God's good graces. That it actually, if we just try and obey out of our own power, we will fail. But we still have a part to play. It is a partnership between God's love, His grace, and the power of the Holy Spirit, and our best efforts C.S. Lewis, I'm quoting him again because, frankly, I found this quote while I was looking for the other one, and I was like, this is really good too. Um, He says this, he says, Now we cannot discover our failure to keep God's law except by trying our very hardest and then failing. Unless we really try, whatever we say, there will always be at the back of our minds the idea that if we try harder next time, we shall succeed in being completely good. Thus, in one sense, the road back to God is a road of moral effort or trying harder and harder, but in another sense, it is not trying that is going to bring us home. All this trying leads up to the vital moment at which you turn to God and say, you must do this. I can't. See, when it comes to living a life of gratitude and actually rooting ourselves deeply in the hope of Jesus, we need to contemplate, we need to consider, we need to begin to get this through our imaginations, through our intellect and understanding, begin to really rest on it as it seeps into our will. But if we want to take that next step of getting it into our identity and our will, we need to do our best to act it out. We need to try our hardest. And let me tell you, you will fail, you will mess up, you won't succeed, but God is good and He will keep picking you back up as you run that race. He will keep coming alongside you. And through that process, we can say, God, I can't do this on my own. Only you can do this. Only you can get me to this place of obedience. I'm going to keep trying, but I know that it's only in you that I can succeed. Finally, reverence. In verse 17, it says, since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it is not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. See, as we begin to contemplate and consider our thankfulness day in and day out, as we begin to rest in and and understand and unpack the truth and beauty of what Christ has done for us, as we begin to faithfully obey as best as we possibly can and live out of this place, we get to a place of living in reverent fear. The good kind of fear and awe and wonder of who God is, of his love for us, of his power and his holiness and just the beauty of the fact that he sent his son Jesus for us. And when we get to this place of reverence, of awe in God, when we begin to practice this, what happens is it completely rewires our desires. It finally gets the gratitude out of our imaginations and our fantasies and into our wills. It actually changes our value systems and how we see the world. And it says, it was not with perishable, perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed, but with the precious blood of Christ, the good life we have been called to. This good life of following after Jesus, this good life of actually facing suffering and pain and hurt with an inexpressible joy that can only come from being deeply rooted in the hope. Of Christ. I want to close today uh, with a quick story about my mom. She, uh, uh, I was hanging out with her as I was prepping for this message and she was just sharing some of what God has been doing in her life lately and I was blown away because I feel like it applies so well to what we're talking about here and she was just sharing, she's like, I've been a Christian since 1975. She's like, and I feel like I am still like every day unpacking and understanding deeper the goodness of Jesus' sacrifice for me. She's like, it doesn't matter how many times I've heard that Jesus died for my sins and and that I received life in him. She's like, I'm amazed that even after all these years, daily, I can find the beauty in that truth. I think that's a challenge for us here today. Whether you've been a Christian for a minute, whether you've been a Christian for 30, 40 years, whether you're not a Christian at all and you want to start and become one today, I think the challenge for us today to live out this good life, to be an example to the world around us, to be faithful in the context we find ourselves, is to wake up and daily choose gratitude. Daily choose to rest and plant ourselves in the hope of Jesus to understand that this beautiful hope, this wonderful revelation that God sent His Son for us is something that we can live in awe and wonder and reverence of for the rest of our lives. It's not something you figure out after a message like this today. It's not something you just read the big enough book and you understand, but it's something you continue to work out day in and day out through contemplation, obedience, and reverence to God. If you're here today, and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus before. You wouldn't necessarily call yourself a Christian. You wouldn't say that you're a follower of Jesus. Uh, And you just wanna make that decision. You're tuning in and you're like, yeah, you know what? Like, I want to live the good life. I want to live a life of following after Jesus. Even if it's tough, I want this joy that is gonna get me through the struggles and the challenges and the crap that I've faced in my life. If that's you, I wanna just give you an opportunity to make that decision. So wherever you are, if you're at home, if you're tuning in just on your phone or a laptop, on a TV, it doesn't matter where you are right now. Uh, if you're comfortable, I just encourage you just raise up a hand. Nothing like spooky or overly spiritual happens when you do this. It's just an opportunity for you to declare and say to yourself, uh, hey, you know what? I'm making this decision. I'm making this choice to follow Jesus and I would love to pray with you. Um, and in just a second, Pastor Jared's coming back up to close and when he does so he'll give you some further directions on how you can get connected and actually get people to come alongside you to live out that journey. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for anybody making this decision. Lord, I thank you for anyone who is choosing to follow you and step into this life, Lord God. It doesn't take away the struggles, it doesn't take away the hurt, it doesn't take away the pain that we can experience in this earth, Lord God, but it gives us an unshakable hope and joy, an inexpressible, wonderful joy that will bring us through everything that we face, that will bring us into greater relationship and life with you, Lord God, that will bring us into real love, into real satisfaction, and into real purpose. I just pray right now for everybody making this decision that you would be with them, Lord, that they would just find the right people to come alongside them in this journey, God, uh, and that you would just get them the supports that they need as they seek to follow after you. Pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. And that's the best decision you could ever make. As I mentioned, get connected. Uh, We don't want you to carry this out alone. And lastly, I just want to take a minute here uh, before we go back into worship and pray for anybody who is here today and saying, hey, I need to actually develop a practice of gratitude in my life. I'm walking around frustrated, I'm walking around angry. I'm walking around not rooted in hope and joy, but in fear and frustration. If that's you here today, and you want to make a choice to have a practice of gratitude, I just want to encourage you, uh, if you can, raise your hand. If it's not weird where you are, I think it's like a good declaration. Um, I don't know. I like it. It's good stuff. Uh, Or or maybe you can even just stretch your arms out in, in a posture of receiving from God as we pray. Raise your hands and surrender, whatever this looks like for you. I just want to pray with you here today if you're somebody who wants to embrace that practice of gratitude. My hand's up right now. I'm somebody who needs this. God, I just pray that you would just move as we... Come to you humbly, Lord God, and say, we can't do this on our own. I can't live the good life on my own, Lord. I like, have tried, and I keep failing at it. God, I want to be obedient to you. I want to seek after you. I want to live the way that you've called me to live. I want to be able to endure through the hard things in life. I want to be ready for when those moments come, God, but I can't do this without you. I can't do this without an awareness of you, a gratitude towards you, a thankfulness for your wonderfulness and your holiness, Lord God. So right now, I just pray that you would just give us a fresh awareness of you, Lord God. And that daily, Lord God, I would just keep coming back to you and just keep learning from you and keep just learning about the beauty of the sacrifice of your son, Lord God, and what that means for us. I just thank you so much, God, for your love for us, for your holiness and your goodness, Lord God. And I just pray right now for an, a deeper awareness of who you are, of your love and your character, that we could just be filled with joy and thankfulness, Lord God, that you would just give us a concrete, solid hope in you, Lord. Pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's worship. Thanks again for listening to our Sunday podcast. To hear more messages like these, Be sure to share and subscribe. We're thankful for all that God is doing in our church right now. We would love to have you be a part of what is going on. You can connect with us by filling out a Connect Card online at slatechurch.com. And hey, stay tuned for more content coming soon.